Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Welcome along to the Big Red Bench and Quarks or Red FM with me, Valerie Wheeler. I am with you until 7pm. So we have some great guests on the show tonight. I caught up with legendary Irish rugby player and La Rochelle coach Ronan O'Gara during the week. We also have Ireland's Six Nation campaign. It continues against France tomorrow. We will hear from Simon Easterby and, of course, Andy Farrell, head coach ahead of that game. We have the GA editor of the 42.ie, Fenton O'Toole. He joins me to discuss all the happenings in the GA this week. Confusion and disappointment across the board. And Ian Reeves, the player development officer of the Gaelic Players Association, will also join me to talk about the influx of inter-county players setting up their businesses during the pandemic. So we have all that and more between now and 7 o'clock on the Big Red Bench and Quarks Red FM. afternoon and welcome to the Big Red Bench and Quarks Red FM. It is me, Valerie Wheeler, with you until 7 o'clock. We have plenty to come up tonight. Joe Ronan O'Gara, we're going to get through the Six Nations. Of course, Fintan O'Toole with the GN. Ian Reeves, the GPA officer of the Gaelic Players Association. But first, let's get some of the sports news from across the world in Ireland. Uh, Leicester City came from a goal down to be champions. Liverpool 3-1 in the first Premier League game of the day. What is happening to Liverpool? Uh, Burnley beat Crystal Palace 3-0 um, earlier on today. And since 5.30, Man City and Tottenham are playing and the score is 1-0 to Man City. And at 8 o'clock tonight, Brighton welcome Aston Villa to the Amex. So to turn our attention to some rugby, Ireland head coach Andy Farrell has added John Cooney and Harry Byrne to his squad ahead of tomorrow's Six Nations game against France. They've been drafted in as cover as Conor Murray and Johnny Sexton were ruled out due to the clash, um, out of the clash with France. Uh, Murray is a hamstring issue while Sexton has failed to come through the HIA return to play protocols and 21-year-old Byrne excuse me, is uncapped while Cooney hasn't played for Ireland since last year's defeat to Ireland's, to England's in the Six Nations. Also, earlier on, England have beaten Italy 41 points to 18 in their Guinness Six Nations game. William Esler was at Twickenham Stadium. England 41, Italy 18. A bonus point win for England, but then that was the least that was expected against Italy. Six tries in all for England. A spectacular leaping try from Johnny May on the stroke of half time, the pick of them. But there's a danger that this result papers over the cracks. England don't look like a team capable of taking on the better sides, and there's plenty to improve on before they play Wales at the end of the month. Full time at Twickenham, England 41, Italy 18. Also, Scotland are aiming to make it back-to-back victories. They are hosting Wales at the moment at Murrayfield and they lead Wales 18-8 at half time. In the golf, Jordan Spieth has one shot lead over the chasing pack on 12 under par after round two of the PGA's AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am in California. And there is no Irish interest in that competition. In tennis, Rafa Nadal is true to the last 16 at the Australian Open Tennis. Uh, the Spaniard, while playing through a back injury, beat England's Cameron Norrie in the straight sets in Melbourne. So he's flying it with that back injury. Now, I did mention during the week I caught up with Ron Nogara. So Aviva did launch the Safe to Dream team and on online hub which aims to improve access for young people on their sporting journey whether it's within your clubs or at home um, it's true online skills and advice from these and support from leading sports ambassadors and one of those ambassadors is legendary Irish international fly half and current La Rochelle head coach Ronan O'Gara Ronan, Ronan welcome to the Big Red Bench Good to be back Valerie how are you? Good flying it how are you keeping you're getting on great in France Yeah it's it's uh it's going well, going well. Uh, it's been hard. It's been hard, but uh, 
getting involved in, in the French league is difficult. It's um, every every challenge possible, really, uh, in terms of trying to connect people from all over the world to uh, to the same vision, to the same um, plan of action, to get behind what we believe in. And um, yeah, this year we had great buy-in. We've got a got a good buzz in our squad, and um, we're going well at the minute. We lost a bad game at the weekend. Uh, to Zebo's crowd, so um, yeah, I didn't sleep too well last night, but hopefully I'll get him back later in the season. Yeah, I saw him put up something in his social media channels, he'd never miss an opportunity now to give you a good slagging. No, but he's got a great heart, as you know, he's a, he's a special guy, uh, um, very, very uh, decent guy, and uh, sure, I played with him a monster, obviously, it seems like a long time ago, but uh, I love meeting him, I love what he stands for, and uh, uh, it's a pity you don't even get to have a meal or a drink with him after the game you know you're just standing in a changing room but it's as you explained earlier it's like you you haven't met your, your new colleagues either yeah it must be strange was on, while we're on the topic is Zebo. I mean what do you make of the eligibility of him maybe not being able to play for Ireland would you like to see him in the jersey would you what do you think of that rule yeah it's probably going to come up for uh, review I would say soon again because we don't want to penalise ourselves. You need the best players playing. But the other side of it too is the fact that, you know what I mean, players are made aware of it. I can see exactly why you want the best players under your control in Ireland and in Munster and in Leinster and Connacht and in Ulster. So uh, that has worked well, but now the game is getting more and more competitive and we can see probably in the number 10 position that you need more players playing. There's only four clubs in Ireland, you know. They don't even consider London Irish as the at the fifth province like they did a few years ago, uh, many years ago that is obviously, but uh, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's a hard one to call, you know, because it's, I just, there's strengths and weaknesses to both, both the arguments. Okay, okay. It, look, it's, it's only something that I know himself he might find frustrating as well because I presume he'd only love to be in the green jersey. But back to yourself and being in France, are you, are you fluent at French at the moment or how, how is the French uh, going on? Yeah, in, in, in rugby terms, I'm okay, you know, but I don't have to write emails or don't have to, uh, you know, I mean, write or give. Uh, I have many imperfections in, in, in the French language, but I'm able to get my message across, you know. They're, they're all very good at English too with respect for them you speak in French and you try every meeting is French um, so from that point of view um, I, 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 I think I'm understood but it's my, my French in a Cork accent is it, it's uh, as my kids tell me I'm brutal <laughs> Speaking of the kids I mean they must be growing up and learning to be fluent at the moment are they being homeschooled or are you able to send them no, to school No we're there? lucky we're very lucky we've had school yeah which is absolute game changer for everything and um, must be incredibly difficult in parents in Ireland at the minute because I think you can get your head around it the first and second time probably second at a push but the third time wow um I don't envy. I don't envy the parents out there because it's a massive shift and a massive change. So um, we've had, now schools are open and rugby's been going ahead, be it behind closed doors. But in terms of our, I suppose our daily routine, not not much has changed. 
Yeah, I read in your piece in the Examiner, I think it was last week, the week before, maybe about COVID and how it might have an intrusive effect on some of the players and more than people would think. And do you think maybe that's what happened the weekend with Ireland or maybe with yourself out being in Rochelle with uh, your players? Uh, I'd say it's even a little bit early to say, but everyone is reacting differently to the people that have got it. Some guys have got, you know what I mean, very, very few symptoms or very little impact. Other guys have been out for three weeks and one guy remains out. And uh, it's just, I suppose, you just be uh, very concerned about um, if there's any long-term uh, implications once you uh, catch the virus. But we're lucky too. We're at high performance levels that everyone gets kind of screened and they would have to be absolutely uh, pass a number of medicals to before they get even near the training pitch. How did you find it yourself as coach to be able to adapt to that and the new challenges you face trying to coach them? Yeah, it's like it feels like it's nearly gone on ten years at this stage, you know, and which is it's very frustrating. But I think the key point coming out of it is that we it's changed everyone. You have to be flexible. You have to be adaptable. For, a few months ago, you were preparing to play one team and then all of a sudden the, the French Federation could say, no, well, these guys have COVID, so we're rearranging you to play against a different opposition 48 hours later. So uh, that's the downside of it. The great side of it is that the, we've kept going. We've been playing and we need that and we need to uh, get out and exercise and uh, challenge ourselves. And that applies, obviously, to the coaching staff and to people as well. I think uh, if there's one message from... Um, from this uh, pandemic, it's that uh, we all need to exercise more often. Otherwise, you go you go off your game, as we say in Cork. Yeah, <laughs> you go off your game. But uh, speaking of going off your game at the moment, I think we're all enjoying live sport a little bit more. And I know that we're branching out into sports we'd never even watch. But did you yourself even stay up last night for the Super Bowl, Ronan, or anything? Are you a fan? Or? I was, honestly, I... Uh, I had an early start because we played at 2.15 local time in Paris yesterday. So I got up and I, did, I, went, for a, I went for a run at uh, 8 a.m. And then uh, we, were get the, we weren't on the bus till 6 and we didn't get home till midnight. So I was catching flies on the way home on the bus after watching the game. So I know I... Uh, I uh, I actually thought, but it's midterm over here, so I thought I was on the school run at, at half seven, but I was only delighted to hear it was midterm till half eight came and the house was full. <laughs> oh God, there's no break from them so this week. But um, something else as well that our Irish players as well, I know Breed Stack as well as head out to the NFL or the yeah the AFL in Australia. Would you be tempted to keep an eye on those games? Yeah, I have been watching a lot. Obviously, uh, it's tough. Shocking a few weeks ago when you hear, yeah, it really affected me for a day or two because once you hear uh, anything with spinal injury, it just gives you the shivers down down your spine, excuse the pun. And uh, yeah, it was it was a, a kind of a, a very, uh, I suppose, worrying 48 hours for, for sports people. Obviously, she's from Cork and uh, we look after her own, as we say, and you wanted to uh, make sure, like, God, she's given so much in her football career. People then, well, it could be to do with her age, going out there and playing a game that she's not familiar with. But that's nonsense. So, uh, thankfully, um, the scans revealed everything was good, even though I think there has been a little bit of a falling out from the hearing, which is which is disappointing. But the most important thing is that she's fit and she's healthy and she... she uh, She'll go again. 
Yeah, those Aussies are taking no prisoners in those games. I'm finding it extremely, I don't know, it's very physical when you see some of the hits they're taking, but it's great to see them out in action. We have plenty of Irish players out there, so it's great that you yourself are keeping an eye on it as well. Yeah, I love it. It's, it's obviously Australia and I think Melbourne is the AFL capital, uh, but it's just... Uh, it's the um, the variety of sports there for anyone that's interested in sport. Like it's the sporting capital of the world, Melbourne, and it has unbelievable facilities and the uh, you know what I mean the temperature is so conducive to, to to getting outdoors over there. So it's keeping in theme with uh, with our with our topic today about a healthy lifestyle. Yeah, no, and we look at that in a minute, and it's great that Aviva is doing that. But before I move on, did you get a chance to see the Ireland game yesterday? Unfortunately, it didn't go their way, and you know you'd feel sorry for the likes of Billy Burns as well over the last twenty four hours. Twenty four hours, with kind of stuff that he's facing online, it's not easy. Yeah, he's just got to ignore online. It plays no part in whether in making him a better player. What Billy Burns needs to do is, which I know well as a kicker is the next opportunity you get, you don't do what you do yesterday. Be it missing kicks against Northampton in the final, be it missing kicks to the corner for your country against against Wales, like he had yesterday. What will infuriate people are his coaches and his fellow players if he repeats there in a, in, a, in a short period of time. So we all make mistakes. He's made one yesterday, but... We want a positive reaction from them now. There's no point moping around. It's over. You can't change it. But what you can change is what good messages you take from it. So uh, it'll be great to see how he reacts from this because with every failing, there's a big opportunity that awaits. Can they pick themselves up again within a week for uh, France on Sunday? They have no choice, Valerie. They have absolutely no choice. It's, this is uh, They've got a bonus point out of yesterday, which is remarkable in the fact that... It didn't look good when Wales got ahead, but like 6 0 for Ireland to go 13 6 up back in the game, in control of the game nearly, and then come up with some silly errors, but they also give themselves match point on the 84th minute and not take it. They'll be very, very frustrated, but they're back to the Aviva. They're more in control of their week. They don't have travel. They know the French are coming. The French are in form, but the French also. If you poke them, you can get under their skin a bit, and hopefully you can, you can, you can take out their. Um, disciplinary challenges and, and there are a few weaknesses there Yeah hopefully they will be able to pick themselves back up within a week but you did join us today because it is the Aviva Insurance they launched the Aviva Safe to Dream Teen Online Skills Hub which aims to I suppose improve the access for young people on their sporting journey and this is amazing to see Yeah it was something I was delighted to get um, offered the opportunity to partake in because it's something that I really um, I really believe in I think we've talked about it all this conversation, just the benefits of, of, of exercise. And the hardest thing about exercise is the five minutes before you're doing it, convincing yourself to get off the coach because we're all there. A cup of Barry's tea, the old dairy milk. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy out here. Just leave me where I am. And then it gets to day three and you're feeling bad about yourself. And then day four, you're getting a bit of a rut, but like you've got to just go then. Otherwise... You're going to have demons in your head and it's the same as everyone. The more you exercise, the better you feel. I'm absolutely convinced and no, I suppose the timing is perfect because it's an opportunity for parents with these online skills programs to give them a break, give them a breather because they're 
but hopefully this is the distraction that they need for a bit of fun for a, even for if it's bad weather there's indoor options so um, you know it was something that I, I felt like that that's that's what everyone needs now exercise is is the key to so many things because uh, there aren't that many positive distractions at the minute but the one that remains constant is exercise yeah, no, it's great. And they are running a mini rugby virtual skills hub all next week, starting the 15th. And I'm sure that'll build confidence and skills for a lot of players. I know Emer Considine's involved with that as well. Yeah, it is. And it's not all. So it's not just rugby. It's general skills. You know, that's the same thing. If you're doing, you can do the drill, but you can change a rugby ball for a ga ball, for a soccer ball, for an American football, for whatever you want, you know. So it's just a case of actually... Uh, getting, I suppose, with all the, the days are long, and if you don't have a plan for your day, it'll just drift by. Yeah, no, we're very excited. I will be sharing that on the Big Red Benches Twitter for anyone to have a look if they want to see the skills that are online next week. Ron, it was lovely chatting to you this morning. Um, it's great you're living the dream in France here at the moment. But uh, will we ever see you come home? Would you like to maybe do a bit of coaching here at home? Is it the of dream? Of course, of course, of course. No, well, home is home. I don't know about coaching, but home will always be Cork. That's that's where I'm from. It means a lot to me, as you know, and. Um, I was honoured with the Freedom in the City a few years ago and we talk about it frequently in in our house. So um, you can take the cork or the boy out of cork, but you can't take the cork out of the boy. That's for for sure. (laughs) Brilliant. And we leave it at that, Ronan. Thank you so much. Thanks, Valerie. Thank you. Ronan O'Gara chatting to me last Monday after Ireland's game. Um, it was great to chat to him. It was really nice to see how he's getting on in France as well. If you did miss the start of that, I will be podcasting the chat a little later on. Let's stay with the rugby now. A big day tomorrow for Ireland. They face France at home tomorrow afternoon at 3pm. Following their defeat to Wales last weekend, I suppose this game is crucial. Um, here it's forwards coach Simon Easterby ahead of tomorrow's Vital Clash chatting to the media this week. In the course of the last couple of weeks, kind of in the build-up, talking to various people, um, including yourself, and um, and Andy, you know, they talk about building momentum going into the championship. How, how, how that's huge. I mean, in this match against France on Sunday is effectively a cup final, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. I think that's a good way of putting it. Uh, yeah, we 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 obviously didn't didn't uh, get the start that we would have we would have hoped for. Um, and it, it puts us, yeah, it puts us sort of uh, in a, I guess, in a more difficult position than than we think we should have been. Uh, but uh, there's still there's still a massive opportunity at the weekend. Uh, the French coming to town, uh, opportunity for us to to hopefully um, get parity in terms of numbers on the pitch and, and have the opportunity to, to showcase what, we're, what we feel like we're building. Uh, and yeah, like you say, for us to, to stay alive in the competition, it's a, it's a must win. Hi Simon, just wondering what the, the spirit is like in the camp. I know you've been through defeats before, but a couple of the things that happened in, in the match might, were particularly hard to take, I guess, but how was the spirit, how has it been to lift the guys? This group is really resilient. I, I don't believe it's. Uh, yeah, I don't believe it's that hard to do that. It, disappointment will will live with the lads for for a good while, I'm sure. Uh, but like like we know in sport, when you get an opportunity to 
to um, turn things around and, and play uh, quickly after a defeat. There's no better better thing to do. So uh, we've had a, a day of, of sort of recovery, sort of mental and physical yesterday, uh, chats around the group, uh, the opportunity for players to, to air a few thoughts and, and for them to chat amongst themselves and as coaches for us to to reflect on the performance. Uh, and today it's it's back to business. You know, we, we, um, we have to... We have to hit the ground running, uh, and, and as much as there's still a few sore bodies around, um, mentally the players are in a good place, and, and they understand what it'll take to uh, to get a result this weekend, and, and also the the you know the need to do that to to stay alive in the competition. And when you were talking about players uh, giving their thoughts on it, does that happen during the review? Is that kind of an open forum, or does that? focus on stuff you've had picked out before how, how, is, how does that go without revealing any inside secrets no no secrets <laughs> just it, it's yeah, I guess it's uh, you know we believe in, and what Faz has created here is an opportunity for players to to have an opinion and 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 when um, we as coaches are, are sitting and, and reflecting on the game. We're not in it. You know, we're not the ones that are making those decisions and making the, the calls. So it's about a, a collaboration and guess of, of thoughts and, and understanding uh, what parts of the game we think we could we could have done better. Uh, parts of the game we thought we did well, and, and parts of the game that we, that we need to improve on. Um, looking at ourselves first and foremost, and, and then you know, we'll be starting to, to, to cast an eye today and, and uh, the course of the week to, to what's coming up next weekend. But certainly it's, a, it's an opportunity for, for everyone to, to open up and, and, um, and, and have an opinion about uh, the performance, whether they, whether they started, whether they're on the bench or whether they're in the wider squad. Thank you. Simon, how have you found the, the last couple of weeks adjusting now to just focusing on the, the defensive role rather than trying to juggle both that and the forwards? Uh, I find it an easy transition, to be honest. Um, you know, I've, we've obviously got um, you know a, a brilliant operator in, in Paulie coming in and, and uh, taking the lead at line out. Uh, so, you know, it wasn't a hard thing to do. Um, we had plenty of conversations prior to coming into camp um, around the line out, what we think we needed to prove on. What our strengths were, what what some of the the weaknesses were, um, both as a unit and and individually, and I think that transition um, w- was good. We had disruption in the game, Pete going off and James going off early, um, and I thought we adapted pretty well to that. So, yeah, listen, it's it's you know it, it's what I think was the right thing to do, and and, uh, and and I know the players are benefiting from Paulie's experience and his detail. Uh, and, and I think we'll start to see that um, we already did on the weekend but we'll start to see that over the next couple of weeks Did you feel at the time in the, the latter stages of the last campaign that you had taken on a bit too much personally? No, I think it was it was you know, what I was asked to do and, and uh, I think we'd had you know, I guess we had a few changes last season. Uh, you know, a couple of uh, more senior players leaving the group um, throughout 2020. A few new guys coming in. You know, I think we gave 11 or 12 
um, uh, you know, debuts. Uh, you know, quite a few of those are in the four pack, and and that transition um, is always going to uh, cause a few teething problems. But no, I, I think it was the right thing. I had plenty of support in in all areas from from uh, Fogs um, in the in the line out and from uh, you know Faz, Catty, and, and Richie in the. In the uh, defence, so it, you know, for me, it was it was certainly the right thing to do. Something that we've spoken about for a while, um, not necessarily something that was a, a, a response or a reaction to to what we did uh, during the uh, the autumn. Simon, in terms of the abilities of France in attack and how special they are, how do you go about preparing? Uh, yeah, listen, they they pose threats across the park. You know, you only saw on the weekend how dangerous they can be if uh, if you offer them the space. Um, so it's it's certainly um, you know certainly something that that we are you know I guess fully aware of. What we what we need to do is make sure that that we can be better, probably at what we do. Um, whoever whoever we're playing against, so. We conceded two tries on the weekend, um, and I, I think both were avoidable, regardless of whether we were 14 or 15 men on the pitch. Uh, so making sure that we get get our own things right first. Um, certainly, the the threats that they will pose are you know are, are greater than some teams, no, no doubt. Uh, ball in hand, their ability to to attack the gain line, to to offload, to get behind teams, uh, their kicking game. You know they have. They have um, you know, the multi-threat team, but I think if we get our own house in order, uh, then it then it becomes a lot easier to to defend any team, uh, regardless of their individuals. Simon Eastry chatting to media during the week ahead of tomorrow's game, and now let's go. On, we're going to hear from head coach Andy Farrell. Eight changes, I think, to the uh, match at twenty-three. Uh, that's that's a lot of uh, disruption, isn't it? Um, not for us, no. Um, we're excited about it. Um, we've uh, obviously lost a few few experienced players there uh, during the week, uh, but one man's loss is another man's opportunity, and uh, the squad's united in, uh, in in the excitement of, of the challenge ahead for the weekend. It's a big test of your playing resources, isn't it? I know you've operated a squad system for a period of time, um, but um, it certainly is a, is a big test. Well, it's why you do these things, isn't it? You know, we, you, I suppose you, uh, um, you you try and um, you have your fingers crossed along the way that uh, you know um, uh, things don't quite go this way from from time to time. But that's why you pick a squad like you do in the autumn, etc., and give people give people a chance to see what it, what it's like at international rugby. Uh, so I suppose our squad depth is uh, is coming into play um, at this moment in time. Hi Andy, um, can you give us the timeline of when you found out about uh, Johnny Sexton, Conor Murray and James Ryan and what is it going to be like going into this game without them? Um, yeah, so Johnny Johnny yesterday um, uh, didn't come through didn't come through the, the, the HIA protocols, James earlier in the week and uh, we've just found out about Conor um, I found out 15 minutes ago actually, uh, he went for a scan on, a, on a, um, a slight hamstring trouble that he picked up yesterday in training we all saw as well how emotional Billy Burns was in Cardiff last Sunday. How has he been since? He's been great. He's um, he's strong, Billy. You know, he's a, he's a, he's a he's a proper footballer. Um, 
and you know he he realised it is what it is. You know everyone makes mistakes, and uh, uh, international rugby he understands the extent of that. But he's uh, he's a true professional. His team are right behind him, etc. And he's trained outstanding this week. Do you do you feel in the last um, last season and this year you've got any of your selections wrong? Have you and the management had to kind of look at yourselves in that regard? I think you always look at yourselves first and foremost uh, regarding regarding performance and, and selection. So I, I'm sure that along the way um, there's always things that you look back on and, and you know with the what ifs etc. But uh, you move forward, don't you? On on every occasion you move forward, and it's the same this week. You know when you when you come to a few bumps in the road, all you do is look forward. There's no there's no point in looking to the past. And can you talk to us a bit about Rich Ruddock? It's, 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 it's quite remarkable that he's um, at 30, he's getting his first Six Nations start. Can you talk to us a bit about how uh, he's forced his way back into the reckoning? Well, he's 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 been resilient, hasn't he, uh, Reese? He's had he's had a few ups and downs within his career re- regarding injuries and long injuries at that. And you know, he said about him being his, his first Six Nations start. I suppose um, you know, there's a reason for that because of, because of the the injuries that he's had along the way, but. Uh, the resilience is, is 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 in the guy, and he personifies that regarding, obviously not getting selected over over the last year or two, and then um, playing really well for his for his province and uh, earning the right to uh, to start this big game at the weekend. Thanks. And the Ian Henderson captain's decide what can he bring to that role? Uh, he brings authority. He, uh, he also brings a calmness. Um, I think that was one of the one of the really pleasing aspects of of the of the game uh, the weekend against against Wales uh, regarding um, obviously going down to to 14 men. There was a calmness uh, throughout the leadership group, throughout the team, and Ian was right at front and centre of all that. So he'll do exactly the same. He'll see it as a challenge. He'll get excited about it, and uh, yeah, I'm sure he'll uh, lead the boys uh, very well. Andy, can I ask you how are, how are Johnny and James doing health wise? Just kind of rugby to the side, like how are they how are they doing? They're fine. Yeah, they're in good spirits. Um, uh, they're they're in and around the group, and uh, they've been very helpful this week. Um, so health wise, they're they're absolutely fine. I just ask you about Craig Casey. Obviously, a huge opportunity. What's he been like in camp over the last two weeks, and what do you like about it? He's been top class. He's. Uh, his, uh, his energy and his application to, to want to get better is second to none and, and that says a lot for a young kid coming into an international group with so much, so much experience on the way and you know I suppose the, the best thing that you can say or compliment that you can give Craig is that the, the senior players have been blown away by, by his attitude and his, his will to get better every day so um, he deserves everything he gets. Andy, just wondering uh, how tough a week has it been? There's been quite a lot on your plate. I mean, obviously, the fallout from the defeat in Cardiff, Peter O'Mahony's suspension, uh, Johnny Sexton and James Ryan, now Conor Murray added to it today. And that with the pressure of, obviously, you can't afford to, to lose two games on the trot or your, your, your championship ambitions are obviously over. So there's been a lot on your plate this week. Yeah, uh, and uh, it's been challenging. But every every um, every test week is uh, is always presents its own challenges. You know, there's been there's been a lot going on this week. But we're a squad, and we we've been a squad uh, since we since we met up. Um, and yeah, everyone's been swapping in and out. You you always you always at the back of your mind have the what ifs uh, scenarios. And and here we are. You know, we're we're uh, we've got a side that's going to go out and full of confidence actually to to um, to be excited about meeting a, meeting a, a really 
a really exciting French team. Um, we'll give our best shot at, at the weekend. There's no doubt about that. Andy, I might just ask about um, when you're talking about Ian Henderson having a cool head. Was there work to be done um, in terms of the hour before kickoff about how to get guys to the right pitch? Just maybe seeing what happened to Peter last week is. Is it you that leads that, or is it the players that are leading that? Just in the hour before kickoff, is there work to be done? Uh, the last time I would speak to the players is just as we get to the the ground, so that's that's probably an hour and a half before kickoff, and then the players, uh, you, you you know, that's a very very short chat. But the build up, the build ups, the build up throughout the week, you know, and. Uh, um, yeah, there's always a blend of getting the right emotion right, and uh, I think we've been pretty good at that. Um, the blend isn't to be old-fashioned and beating the chest coming out for an international rugby uh, game. Um, the blend is being calm enough and primed enough to be to be accurate first and foremost, and I suppose that's how it should be, and that's how it'll continue for us. And I know you'd say maybe Peter knows he made a mistake, but is it something you have to specifically mention at some stage in the build-up? to say, yeah, everyone can put their hand up afterward and say, I made a mistake, but to make sure it's not acceptable to go into to a ruck that you have a, a duty of care on the guy who's prone in the ruck, has that been mentioned specifically? We talk about discipline the whole time. If you look at our discipline record, it is second to none. You know, and from week to week, of course, that changes. And um, you know, there was some some silly penalties that were given away from from our point of view uh, last week. Um, but these lads, like I said last week, they don't do it on purpose. Um, so uh, no, it's not something that we 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 constantly um, um, beat down on on the players with. Um, they know that themselves. You said after the game last week that you hadn't had a chance to talk to Billy Burns. I just wonder what your message has been to him this week. What sort of conversations have you had with him? Uh, plenty of conversations, like I do with the, with the, with the rest of the team. Um, you always uh, try and help them find the reasons why and uh, the, the process that they've been through, etc., and, and see how how they're able to to um, to cope and, and and park and and move on and. Uh, Come, come Tuesday. Billy, Billy's been absolutely fine. He's been he's been leading as far as every every fly half should do within training, etc. And he's trained really well this week. Andy, can I just ask one final question? Um, with the late changes in personnel to the team, does this do you have to kind of refine the approach in any way now? Uh, no, we've uh, as I said, you know, guys keep rotating, keep swapping in. They all know the the, the plan, etc. So. Um, no, no, we don't need to curb it at all. You know, I suppose uh, you, you curb a you curb a, a plan uh, regarding what happens with the weather, etc. But when when we've got a squad that's been together, and that's why we pick a thirty-six man squad for for these occasions. And uh, yeah, well, um, the the same the same uh, the same plan will go and apply to to, to this team. Andy Farrell chatting to the media this week ahead of tomorrow's clash against France at home at 3pm. We're looking forward to that. Stay with us after the break. We're going chatting to Fintan O'Toole on all GA news this week and Ian Reeves from the GPA. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Cork's Red FM. Missed the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. Welcome back to the Big Red Bench with me, Valerie Wheeler, with you until 7 o'clock. That's if I make it. The heating system, I can't really seem to turn off and I'm. it's like a sauna in here tonight. But anyway, we'll get through it fine. Plenty of water. 
The GA this week, you know, disappointing news that the GA won't be returning till after Easter. And joining me is Fintan O'Toole. Fintan, he is the GA editor of the 42.e. Fintan, it's very disappointing news. It certainly was. Um, I think maybe the fact that there wouldn't have been games until after Easter, uh, maybe that wouldn't have been a big surprise. Um, I think probably the two elements that probably caught people were uh, that intercounty training that, you know, I suppose hopes that players and managers would have had that they would be um, getting back to collective training at the start of March. That that is now off the table. And as a knock-on, I suppose, when you see intercounty teams doing that, then club players would hope that they'll get a chance to maybe meet up collectively um, in kind of, you know, non-contact pods as they would have been doing last summer. And obviously underage teams then, you know, parents are looking at uh, kids' sports has been kind of shut down for so long, you know. So there's all these sort of, I suppose, different consequences. Um, and the other big development then, I guess, is the fact that the GA seems to have been caught off guard by the fact that inter-county is no longer uh, granted the exemption to... I suppose play under level five circumstances, and at the moment, you know, we're in a level five stage, and really don't know when we're going to be kind of getting out of it. Like, you know, it looks like it's this for the foreseeable future. So, I guess a lot of people are kind of clinging to the hope that, you know, if you have an interest in GA, that if we stay in level five, well, at least the county can get up and go into again today. But this is the the real big matter, I think, that has caught people the confusion that the the government said that was only an exemption for the end of 2020 season, which obviously seems to surprise them, everyone in the the GA, uh, relevant authorities at national level and uh, coaches and players alike. Do you think there was a misunderstanding between the government and the GA here? Because obviously the GA didn't realise, oh, look, we have to kind of try get this exemption again for 2021. Yeah, there definitely was. The key thing, I think, is that uh, I think it was during the week Jack Chambers, the the minister, said um, that a letter was sent on October 22nd to the GA, Camogie and Ladies Football that the exemption that was in place, uh, because that would have been the weekend that the championship was about to begin, um, the hurling championship was starting that weekend, for example, um, that this exemption was only going to last till the end of the year, till December. Now, if that letter was received by the GA, did they maybe not realise the, the contents of it or did they see that letter at all? That's probably one of the most interesting things I would think. Um, now, it's interesting, this uh, coming week, actually, on Tuesday, the GA releasing their annual report and uh, finances for the 2020 season. So maybe, uh, given there'll be some kind of media activity there, maybe we might get some kind of clarity on that. But obviously, they didn't really see that this exemption uh, was in place because if you think about it, the the other football final was played on the 19th of December and the ladies' football final was played on the 20th of Sunday. And then that Monday, the GA actually released their fixture list plans for 2021. And uh, under their plans, the league was due to start in would have been a couple of weeks time from now, and um, the last weekend of February. So they obviously were under the impression that even if uh, Ireland remained in level five, that they had to go ahead to... I suppose to to organise games and to kind of stage their campaign as they had planned. So somewhere along the line, um, a fairly crucial piece of information um, seems to have got lost, and I think that's the that's the big issue uh, this week, and it causes a lot of big kind of knock on effects problems for the three associations, the Jada Camogie and the Ladies Football, in terms of trying to put their plans in order for twenty twenty one. I mean, Fintan, it's kind of wild that the three big associations missed out on this fact that, you know, the games mightn't be able to go ahead because it was only exempt for 2020. For the three of them to miss out, maybe you pointed out, you know, that they were in the middle of um, having All-Ireland finals and they just maybe put it to the side and didn't think no more about it. Yeah, no, no, it is. And, like, there's definitely a major communication breakdown somewhere. And I think that's probably... 
the fact that probably has annoyed so many people. I mean, we're now in the middle of February. Um, what are we about seven, eight weeks on from the All Ireland Finals? Uh, you know, even that, from that time, a lot of you know a lot of teams around the country were starting to make plans. But like a you know club and county level, in terms of kind of getting managers in order and coaches, everyone was starting to plan ahead for the twenty twenty one season. And you're probably thinking, okay, you know, even if we are in lockdown, the inter county can start, and then after a while, you know, the the, the club will be able to get going. Um, but I guess maybe the G, like the G obviously didn't think this exemption was going to run out and maybe they obviously didn't think they needed to ask uh, did they have it again for the 2021 season uh, like I suppose that there has been some talk that I think there's a the government are issuing um, an updated living with COVID plan for the week ahead and there may be some room for manoeuvre uh, in terms of kind of GA uh, coming back to play so maybe there's a little bit of hope for optimism there but there's definitely just a lot of uncertainty uh, at the moment now. Um, I suppose how it kind of has got to this position uh, from the, the GS point of view and where they are going forward in terms of trying to organise their competitions. Because, you know, look, Intercounty is a small, relatively small number of kind of players and managers affected, but it's just a knock-on effect for so many thousands of club players um, at all ages around the country then as a result of this. Yeah, now that you mentioned clubs, I mean, this brings up the debate again because of having maybe the clubs go first and giving them their window opportunity and pushing out the league in the championship for further on in the year. Yeah, that is the issue. I suppose it looked like it was kind of settled, wasn't it, uh, at the end of December that we were going to start with County and then the club was going to uh, kick into gear. Um, it's now probably up for debate whether that might be flipped around in its head again or... I suppose the other big area is people are suggesting will the league have to be scrapped at the county level? Will uh, I suppose time pressures come into play? But I would imagine there'll be a lot of resistance to that amongst football counties in particular because I think hurling you know, the championship is kind of aware of that really. But for a lot of football counties, given the football has just become lopsided, the league has a lot, a lot of value for them. And you take counties like Cork and and uh, Limerick, you know, who worked so hard to kind of win promotion last year. Uh, so players will want to test themselves at that higher level. So, you know, I've seen a suggestion floated, would we start with the inter-county league, then have uh, a club-only period for about, you know, say 12 to 14 weeks, and then we'll, we'll be looking at a winter championship again with the All-Ireland Finals. Um, I suppose one of the attractive things from that from the J point of view you know, maybe this has been a bit too optimistic. Will there be a possibility of crowds maybe then at the end of the year? You know, some small numbers coming through? Um, possibly, but, I, you know, I'm kind of speculating here and I say yeah. the GA powers that that's all they're doing as well because the problem for them is that they can't really plan when they don't know when they have a starting day for. Uh, so you can't make the decisions on whether to go first club or county without kind of, I suppose, knowing um, how much kind of room you have for manoeuvre. And and then the other issue amidst it all, which is probably really relevant for Cork, is that there's a there's a bit of unfinished business from 2020 still. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of county finals at club level, and then you take the Cork and the 20 hurlers. I mean, they're they're waiting for an All Ireland final date, um, but who knows when it's going to be played? Obviously, the the Leinster final between Dublin and Galway still has to be played. So there's all these different very variables. A lot of people looking for a bit of kind of certainty, a bit of clarity, but I don't think we're going to get it anytime soon. No, and that's unfortunate. But you did mention the crowds there and maybe having them back at some stage. But I know you, along with a lot of other people, would have watched the Super Bowl last weekend. And to see, you know, so many thousand frontline workers in the stand, some people felt uncomfortable. I was delighted to see them there, Fintan, to be honest, because I'd love nothing more than them to be able to return. And maybe something like that, frontline workers who've had their vaccination, would be nice to let them go. 
Yeah, look, that'd be great. Like, I mean, I, I'm not, I suppose I'm not thinking we're going to have 80,000 in Court Park, yeah. but I mean, if you remember at a certain stage last year, it was suggested you could possibly, could you have a third or a quarter full? You know, I think that with the, the kind of 1.5 or 2 metre uh, social distancing, um, I suppose it's not even just, I suppose the, the NFL over the last few weeks has probably been the big one people have been looking at, but I'm sure a good few people are kind of watching the AFL and the AFLW and you know, they've had kind of crowds um, kind of the men's action at the tail end of last year and, and the, the women's league obviously with the Irish interest a lot of people are watching that you know um, obviously it's a different kind of story I guess at the moment but yet that would be probably one attractive element for the GA if the Intercounty did go back to the tail end of the year if it unfolds as they had planned kind of in the earlier first part of the year it's difficult to really to see uh, crowds being able to attend games um, and then I suppose we're getting into the whole area of kind of financing that if the GA can kind of get people back to the door at the end of the year that helps with gate receipts. Yeah and I know and we all know the benefits it has mentally and physically both for players and the people that are watching them as well Fintan. I know we all were so delighted to have the live sport and we were the lucky few that got to attend some of the games but I know myself I think I'm finding this lockdown the most difficult I don't know how you're finding it how are you finding it as a sports writer? Oh yeah, look, I, I, I think like everyone's, everyone's finding this probably the, the, the toughest, and I think that's probably hits at maybe the one thing I think a lot of people who are into sports um, would love maybe just the training element, and you know that's whether it's like an under twelve soccer team, yeah. um, you know a minor hurling side, or like you know the the the, the core footballers, the core hurlers, like you know, um, you know the top camogie side, ladies football side. And I think if the the non contact training pods, if they were kind of given you know a bit of a window of opportunity, um, but one of the things I, I kind of had thought. Of, you know, aside from what's happened this week over the last couple of weeks, I think other such times the schools go back. I didn't really think, couldn't see the GA kind of get the green light to return. I mean, the GA came back in October, and if you think about uh, just in wider society, like you know, the schools were open, there was a lot more kind of shops open, and um, you know, construction sites were open, and like that kind of stuff. Like people's livelihoods, that has to kind of come first. So. I don't think there was ever going to be a situation really that the GA was going to get the green light if, you know, for example, schools around the country were still shut. But I think if, if that sort of stuff, and I could be wrong, but I think it's planned, isn't it, kind of a phase to kind of reopen the schools between now and maybe the Easter holidays. I think if that started, then maybe you could still have some hope that maybe things might kind of change a bit um, in April. Um, I don't know about you, Fenta, but I'll never take for granted being at a, some game in the middle of winter now with snow and hail and rain. I will never complain again. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think there's a lot of people in that. Like, you know, even like uh, I've heard of like kind of you know, different friends that are, that are the J supporters. They're, they're kind of pining for the days when you could go to a McGrath Cup match or, uh, you know, Waterford Christmas Hurling League game or, or, or whatever. You know, like I, I suppose like there is a kind of a lot of sport on TV, but at least people, I suppose last year, they kind of did get a few, you know, club games to go to and all that. Um, um, and you'd hope that maybe just over the coming months that there will be kind of something, um, just the, the, the kind of frustration. Um, and, and I guess the uncertainty, like, you know, so you, so you definitely hope between the government's kind of living with COVID plan and whatever kind of negotiations the GA will enter into them, that at least people might, over the coming weeks, get some kind of a roadmap and I suppose find out what's going to happen after Easter. Because at the moment, I mean, it's, it's not even a case that they've said when the GA COVID advisory group um, released their kind of statement during the week that they said stuff will open, open at Easter. I mean, it was Easter at the earliest. So that's just really, I think, adding to the, the kind of frustration and the kind of uncertainty. Um, and I think pe- people knew when the start date was, it might make things a bit, uh, a bit more bearable. Uh, so hopefully you'd be hoping that maybe you know, even club pitches alone would kind of open up over the next while and there'll be some I suppose some kind of light at the end of the tunnel and just you know I guess something for, for people to do and and, uh, and I think that goes for all sports you know I mean yeah. I mean, like yeah. I suppose we're, we're talking from a GA point of view and um, 
you know, I think the GA was very, very fortunate. I think they recognised that, that the championship was able to go ahead last year, but, you know, there's there's various different levels in all sports um, that didn't get to go ahead last year. And even you take an indoor sport like basketball, which has been completely shut down, uh, so you'd be hoping maybe, maybe kind of give it another month and we kind of get to Easter, that uh, there might be some light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, fingers crossed. Well, look, let's hope we get more concrete dates and decisions soon to keep us all, you know, a small bit of light at the end of the tunnel, as you did mention. But Fenton, thanks so much for joining us in the Big Red Bench. No problem at all. There's been a goal for Man City. They lead Tottenham 2-0 in the second half of the Premier League game. Darren Stanage is at the Etihad. Manchester City 2, Tottenham nil. City doubling their lead and it's uh, Gundogan, the informed striker who managed to uh, just sneak it in past Hugo Lloris' near post. Some good build-up as well involving Sterling and Foden who found Gundogan who slotted on the second. City 2, Spurs nil. We will have a report for you in just a little bit also of the Six Nations but Wales have beaten Scotland 25-24. I mean, it was an unbelievable tense ending but we'll get your report by the end of the show. Now over the last few weeks and months I have seen an influx and I'm sure everyone else has of business ventures from our inter-county stars across Ireland and they've seek the help from the GPA. This week on the Big Red Bench I'm joined by Player Development Officer with the Gaelic Players Association, Ian Reeves. Ian, welcome to the Big Red Bench. Thanks Valerie, how are you? Good, we're keeping fine. How are you finding life in lockdown at home? Work must be, is it getting easier from home now? You're kind of getting used to it? Yeah, look, it's 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 hard to believe we're nearly a year in this at this stage. But yeah, one of the fortunate ones to be working and keeping pretty busy, keeping to a structure and routine. And um, yeah, it, it's getting easier as time goes by, but and, and time is going quite quick. So hopefully we'll get out of it and we'll we'll see better days and times to come. Brilliant. So you are the player development officer with the GPA. And first of all, before we get into it, what like tell us what do you do. Yeah, I suppose in, in terms of the context, first of all, like the GPA's purpose falls under kind of three pillars. Um, our purpose is to represent the player's voice, to protect the player's welfare, and then to support the development of the individual. And that kind of final pillar is where I operate on a on a full-time basis. Um, I essentially lead up with a colleague of mine, the Player Development Department. And the Player Development Programs, um, the objective is it, of them is to build, develop, and sustain personal, professional, and psychological well-being and growth. Um, so in addition to the challenges that players face on the field, there's many that they face off it. And I work with players on a one-to-one basis and support them in a number of different ways, whether that's in their career, um, moving, progressing, developing, in their education, returning full-time, part-time upskilling, um, in their personal life, organizational planning, time management, their relationships, their holistic well-being, um, their psychological well-being as well. Um, so obviously COVID-19 has been a challenge for absolutely everybody. Um, and looking at maybe a strengths-based approach to proactive, preventative measures. And then also like business development is, is another area that I, that I support players with. So um, I'm, I'm there for the players 24-7, 365, essentially, in, in all aspects of life off the field. Well, brilliant. It sounds like you do a lot for them and it's great to see because not many people would maybe know that that many things available for the players. But how many how many inter-county players actually avail of something like this? Do many of them come to you or are they kind of, are they stand off when it comes to it? Uh, no, they're they're more the latter. So uh, they, they engage, they engage quite, um, quite heavily. So like back in 2019, there was um, 1,450 engaged. Um, in terms of the, I suppose, looking at it from 2020, in the first half, there was over 600. Um, 
in the second half, the figures are still to be calculated and defined, which will be obviously in our annual report being released in, in the next while. Uh, but even looking at 2020, like uh, in January, well, I know we're only five days into February, but in January, there was over 84 sessions complete with players. Um, so it, there's there's massive in, engagement in it um, because it really benefits them um, both on and off the field, you know. Yeah, no, and I think it's important because, you know, they play inter-county for a certain amount of years and it's at the end of the day, you know, when they're left maybe retiring or maybe being dropped out of a panel, it's nice that they have something to back themselves up. And this is why we're chatting to you today is because I myself and a lot of other people around the country have seen an increase in maybe small businesses set up over the last few weeks with young players, not even, you know, the older players, which is amazing because you're helping them set up something for when maybe they retire or maybe when they want to take a backseat from playing into county. Yeah, there's definitely be an increase in, in the business development um, space. Um, and yeah, like as you said there, the the concept of kind of a dual career and investing in your in your career off the field while you're playing can really ease your transition out of the game or even um, playing devil's advocate. If, if you were to be dropped, if you were to get a long-term injury, it's essentially looking to put your eggs in a couple of different baskets. Um, and by putting your eggs in a couple of different baskets, there's benefits to your on-field um, performance, which has been... There's been studies done with with a numerous um, athlete bodies around the world, and it's it's no different here with um, intercounty GA players. But in terms of the business development, yeah, there's definitely been an increase. Um, kind of a four step process in in terms of how the players engage. Um, step one: idea generation and and fine tuning. So, what exactly is the business? What's the service? What's the product? What is it looking to offer, um, and what's the purpose behind it? So, where is this idea came from? Where is the, where what's driving the agenda for them? And then, secondly, how will it fit in to their wider lifestyle, whether that's their career, uh, their relationships, their education, and then into their their sport and career as well. So, where are they going to find the time, the effort, the energy to to go after it? Once we can trash out that, that's what myself. It's into kind of let's kind of formulate this and put it down on a bit of a business plan, um, which has been supported and developed by experienced professionals in the space. It provides a really good platform for then myself and the player to identify the strengths and the developmental needs in, in this business concept. We essentially traffic light system it. So what's green and, and really strong and you're comfortable with what's orange that we might need a little bit of wriggle room to get over the obstacle and what is, what is red that we kind of need to action pretty quick. Um, this is a really good kind of exercise that we sharp, essentially sharpen the ax and then look to, help the individual focus on what they need to focus on. Um, within that red space, then there's elements that the individual kind of goes, I need, I need subject matter expert advice here. That could be in the space of financial regulations. It could be from that element all the way over to something like implementing digital marketing strategy. So back in October, we partnered with the Google Digital Garage and that was developed with the support of Secretary of the GPA, Matt O'Hanlon, who's current Wexford Hurler, who works with them. And that's a mentoring program in which players go apply for it and then get set up with a Google employee who mentors them for six sessions on how to enhance your brand online, build a social media strategy, enhance your search engine optimization, um, how to use Google Analytics. And that's the kind of the subject matter expert advice that we can provide in different kind of scenarios for them. Um, and then the, the final step, which is one which is really beneficial, is kind of the continuous check-ins and the reviews. So an ongoing review could be monthly, it could be bi-monthly, it could be six weeks, depending on how the, how quick the, 
and how fast the player wants to do them. Again, simple exercise, stop, start, continue. Um, any further development required, whether that's in education, in their competency, in their knowledge. Um, and overall, it's kind of a space for them to uh, explore, get curious and kind of do a bit of a brain dump. And then using my expertise, which, which is um, applied psychology and coaching, to help me tease it out with them, what exactly this might mean for them and how they might go forward. So essentially, we're with them like every step of the way and any player can engage in the service and in the program at step one, step three, step four, at whatever stage they wish, you know? Is there any funding involved with these players maybe get a little bit of a head start? Uh, no, there's, so there's, there's no direct funding involved. Um, the, the support that they get is the, the mentoring and the, the business plan development, the speaking with the subject matter experts. Another thing that works fantastically well is, is the player to player connections and networking. So um, there's a player that has done a similar, um, started a similar business, let's say, mm -hmm. in another area of the country. And that player being connected in with the other player um, to have a conversation around what was the good, the bad and the ugly for them, you know, when it's kind of like a learning process. Works really, really well. Can we name some of the players that maybe have become available, like have availed of this service in the last couple of weeks, maybe set up a business with you? Yeah, of course. Like I, I'm sure um, Aaron Galan is one um, who uh, who has set up his uh, Paul McNamara and Sligo footballer. He's he's done great work. Uh, Joe O'Connor in Wexford, Darren O'Connell Limerick as well. Um, uh, Sam Roy Loud, Aidan Nugent Armagh. Like there's 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 a load of guys there that have really came in from from start. Let's let's fine tune and let's drive it on. Um, both across all codes and across all counties there there just a few that jump to mind that are that have are coming to me there as I, as you asked me you know brilliant well it's great to see i've seen the businesses set up i have seen an influx of them and uh, it's great to see that they're you know thinking about themselves outside their inter-county careers well because that's important too but um you know if there's anyone listening here in cork i know cork is such a big county we have plenty of inter-county players that do listen to the show and maybe you know something like this has encouraged them to maybe come to you and give you an idea where can they find you in can they get in contact with you somewhere yeah, 100%. Um, so any members will have access to to all of the programs. They can contact one of their staff or, or me directly at just simply at ian at 100%. Brilliant. Ian, it was great chatting to you. It's nice to see the support that the players get. I think a lot of people, you know, forget that they're humans as well at the end of the day and they're there for entertainment. But it's nice to see that there's a panel of people that are looking out for them, especially like yourself. Yeah, brilliant stuff. Better person, better player, as they say. Brilliant. Thanks so much for joining us in the Big Red Bench this week. Cheers. Thanks for your time, Valerie. Ian Reeves of the GPA and you can find him online if you want to find out more. Now, I did mention Wales have beaten Scotland 25-24 in their Guinness Six Nations game. Stuart Cameron was at Murrayfield. Well, Wales won by one point in this cracker of a match with four tries to three in a 25-24 victory. But this is a game the Scots threw away, having been 17-3 in front. Rhys Samet scored two tries for Wales. Williams and Jones got the others, while for Scotland, Hogg collected a brace of his own and Darcy Graham got the other. Finn Russell kicked nine points for Scotland, while Halfpenny and Sheedy scored points from the boot for Wales. Full credit to Wales then for coming back from the dead to win the game. For Scotland, their discipline was poor, their lineouts were not as good as last week, and the chance of a triple crown has gone for them once again, because they couldn't build on a 14-point lead. But it's Wales who will leave Edinburgh tonight with a great feeling. Scotland 24, Wales unbeaten 25.
Thanks, George. Right, that is it for me tonight on the Big Red Bench. I'll be back next Saturday night from 6pm at More Sport. Rory's up tomorrow night with all of the reaction, of course, from Ireland's game. Enjoy the game, stay safe, and Stevie G is on the way next. Slán. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Cork's Red FM.